You are listening to Beyond Smart Buildings by PropMoto, where we explore the eight principles that go into intelligent space. To listen to other episodes from this series, just search for PropMoto wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hi, everybody. My name is Franco. I'm the editor of PropMoto, and thanks for listening to this podcast about smart buildings, where I look at the eight principles that it takes to make a building intelligent. With me always is my co-pilot on this, Vincent Dormady. Hi, Vincent. Hi, Franco. Excited for this one. Me too, Vinny. Well, you know, when you think of the things that it takes to make a building smart, uh, you know, some of them are so straightforward. There's intelligence, you know, there's kind of uh, the, the innovation behind it. Uh, but, you know, the, this idea of an intuitive building, something we're going to talk about today, is, is a little bit outside of that, right? And so, you know, I, I wanted to ask you as one of the people that, that has thought about this, like, why do you think it's important for buildings to be intuitive? Well, Franco, we have to remember that, you know, how smart a building is depends on how well it functions for the users. So having a really smart building that no one can figure out or, or, or how to use or doesn't really help anybody. So it's important that a, um, a building retains certain similarities and continuity in how we expect it to work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I know this uh, this concept of of uh, you know an intuitive design is really big in, in in the product development and the software world, right? And something that technologists think about a lot. Um, but you know, it's it's a tough one to get because right, like what is intuitive to one person is not necessarily intuitive to another. True, but we, we all have our own expectations of what a building should look and feel like. But to understand intuition and, and the intuitive, we have to actually start peeling back the different levels of human cognition and getting to that base layer of the fundamentals and knowing the people uh, and, and knowing how they're going to interact. That often takes a lot of research, but it also takes a bit of just human understanding and a bit of interaction to just get a sense of, how somebody will, will interact. So while you may use data and you should use data, it's often so important just to observe like people in act, interacting and actually drawing from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for this episode, uh, t- to help me understand, you know, how we can make our building something that is very rigid, uh, more intuitive, I spoke to an unlikely champion of the workplace. Hi, my name is Alana Collins. I'm head of real estate and workplace at Zoom. You would not be alone to think it a bit peculiar that Zoom, a company synonymous with the pandemic-induced switch to working from home, would be a company that is embracing the value of the office. But you have to remember that Zoom is a company that was an early adopter to the hybrid workforce and distributed teams. That means that they were able to embrace the value of an office long before they were locked out of theirs. We still see ourselves as a hybrid company. I think Right when the pandemic started, I think we were all kind of like, oh my gosh, when are we going to go back to the office? When are we going to, we quickly shifted that mentality to, wow, when the office opens, that will be really great as a place to go and come together, right? It wasn't that that was a place to go to work. We believe that, I I mean, and I'm speaking for myself, but I've been at the company for almost four years now. The leadership really sees our technology as a way to have a hybrid experience. And we're going to embrace that. And our customers want to see how we're doing that in a hybrid way. Um, And we hope to be kind of one of the trendsetters in that and really showcasing how you can be um, successful in a hybrid approach. And and, and that's where that dynamic, I, I just keep going back to the word dynamic. I think the world is dynamic. I think 
work is dynamic, but I think we have to create a dynamic space to bring people together. When you think about intuitive products, there have been few that have had to fulfill that promise more than video chat. During the pandemic, everyone from toddlers to grandparents, Luddite to technophile, has had to figure out how to use video conferencing software. Zoom had to make that transition with us, updating their product feverishly to try to make even the least tech-savvy of us happy. It is that experience that they hope to bring to the next iteration of their product, becoming a platform for all work, remote and in-person. We've had a tagline for many years, um, and it's, it just works. And I think, you know, now you've found that, you know, your grandmothers, your great-great-grandmothers have been able to use this platform. And, you know, I think even children can open a Zoom gear uh, box and build that and have it working within, I think, 15 minutes. So our company has always been, you know, it needs to be simple, it needs to work, and it needs to be easy for the customer to navigate. We're trying to move towards being a platform, of course, not just video um, communications, but, you know, I think we're going to approach even the platform aspect in that way. It just works. It needs to be easy, simple, and um, accessible to all. Zoom actually sees themselves as more than just a video conferencing tool. Instead, they think that they can act as a hub for the workplace because the idea of a workplace has now evolved to mean just about anywhere. I heard a lot of people kind of say to me, like, Zoom is now our HQ, right? And it is in a lot of ways. And, you know, I think it, what it's going to do is I think it's going to be able to help people design their lifestyle for what suits them, right? I think that you're always going to need a place to come together and bring teams together, but there's, there's different aspects of people's lives that, you know, whether it be a pandemic or children or location specific, you know, we're hiring people in amazing markets right now. We're hiring the best talent in any, any market and Zoom has empowered that. And yes, I think it's the face-to-face -face is great, but I also lends itself to, really helping people design their lifestyle. Before the pandemic, Zoom was really a culture of being in office. And I think we've even learned from this, the power of the tool and the power of how we can still be an inclusive company, even when we're spread out all over the world. So when Zoom set out to design their own offices, many of them knew to accommodate for their massive growth, they did so with the understanding that they would be used as a place to assist a hybrid workforce. During this whole pandemic, you know, I think it's, it's, it's tough, right? People had to get adjusted. Managers had to understand, and we're all doing it now, right? So we're all still remote. So it's working, right? We've all gotten very comfortable. I think where the real, the real challenge and the real um, experimentation comes in is when we do fully go hybrid. Some people, we're going to have three modern work styles. There's going to be in-person, and that's probably more like a professional on my team where you are there to support the infrastructure of the business and support the individuals that are coming in. Then there's going to be the hybrid that will be, um, you know, maybe working from home a couple of days a week in an office. And then there's going to be the folks that were probably already brought on as remote nor near one of our Zoom locations um, in a, like a reasonable commuting distance. So there's going to be three different 
modern dynamic work styles. To help make their offices more intuitive, they designed them to have much more choices than they did before. So there's something for everybody, no matter where you are. So I think um, we're going to lean towards about 20% of desking space that we, you know, before it was a one-to-one ratio. So we're leaning more towards a 20% um, kind of fixed desk. But we also are going to do very different types of uh, offerings on each desk, where we'll have some desks that will be fully open with no monitors, no screens, um, and maybe some movable whiteboards near it so that it's more of a kind of high top huddle environment. Um, We're going to have some quiet um, pods that will be dedicated to really head down. And then we'll have, um, of course, the Zoom room, which is very important, different sizes, different shapes, um, from lounges to, you know, I think you almost look at it as kind of walking into, you know, a really cool hotel experience and going, hmm, okay, well, that couch looks good, but I kind of need to work over here today, or I'm definitely going to need a monitor, so I'm going to go over here. And I think we want to give folks different types of options, but we've kind of set it to where it's approximately 20% fixed desk, um, 20% more mobile experiences, whether it's on um, wheels or rolling whiteboards or movable furniture like, um, you know, soft furnishings. Um, and then, of course, our 50% will be um, will be the Zoom rooms, um, and then probably 10% more of large all-hands kitchen environments. Zoom is a software company, so they have feedback loops ingrained into their anatomy. Rather than just designing new offices, they have chosen to run three different proofs of concepts at different locations, Denver, London, and Amsterdam. What they will learn from the way office workers return to each location will help them understand the design of the office and further tailor it to what workers want. That analysis is done with actual usage data, employee surveys, and by talking to the on-site manager that have an intuitive understanding of what is happening in the space that might not be represented in the data alone. Alana expects that what they will learn will vary depending on each location, since each building is so unique. I think each market's going to be very different. And that's why we're trying to hone in and do a proof of concept in each market to really learn. I think San Jose is probably, you know, it will always be the nearest and dearest. We took on those spaces a floor at a time across several years. So each, each year as we grew as a company, the design standards changed a little bit. We learned more about our technology. We always... Each new floor had something bigger, better, or we've done away with things that didn't work on other floors. So I can even say like this new world or this new reality that we're living in, it's not very different than design and construction involvement as you grow at a fast rate at a company like Zoom, right? It's always been dynamic. We've always been learning from our design. So I think if we stick with that mentality of it's a proof of concept, and we're going to listen to our employees, we're going to listen to our customers, and we're going to, we really want to see the proof. One of the barriers to making hybrid work intuitive is that the new way we work is not intuitive at all. We all have a sense that a hybrid meeting is a bit less free-flowing than an in-person one. 
So Alana and her team have set out to try to make hybrid work feel at least a bit more familiar. I think it comes naturally. You just want to get right to business, right? You want to get on the Zoom meeting and you want to go, right, okay, we're here for this. Or I think I always start a meeting with, how, I, I, and I tend to interrupt people because they'll, they'll dive right in and I'll just say, hey, how is everybody doing today? How was your weekend? And it's really important because you would do that in person, right? And now some of us may be in the office and have already had that conversation before they walked into the meeting room. So I really, really always will try and lead a conversation with how is everybody doing? And, you know, sometimes even complimenting people on, oh, that color looks great on you, even though you're on Zoom. Or, you know, make it more humanized, I think is really important. And I think that's another thing that just popped in my head was when we were talking about food service, I think, you know, there's going to be some teams that can't sit across from each other and really coming up with um, some really creative ways to have team lunches, even on Zoom, where some people are in the room and they have lunch and perhaps they get a budget around, um, you know, hey, I'm going to host a, a lunch and learn today. Please use, you know, $15, uh, expense $15 to buy your lunch today or DoorDash it, right? And and I, my team and I have done that numerous times. Um, but I think really integrating that into a lunch and learn or a team meeting at, at lunchtime so everybody can break bread together, even though you're remote, just humanizing it a little bit, I think is really important. One of the things that Alana has learned from her surveys around what people want from their office is that one of the most intuitive activities, eating, still ranks really high. This might have to do with the nature of socialization. We may not intuitively know how to connect with people remotely, but if you put us at a shared table with some good food, we all know exactly what to do. For that reason, she sees food playing a big role in the workplace going forward. You'd be surprised at our survey results that food came almost, almost beat out the use of the Zoom rooms technology. And that's how much people love coming together and, and, and breaking bread together. It was, it was phenomenal. We were really shocked by that. We, Zoom has always been very food-centric. And I was worried when the pandemic hit, I was like, oh my gosh, all the, all the little bins we used to have and people used to scoop. And I don't think we'll ever have those again. And, and I think now we can get really creative with it. It may be prepackaged in the beginning, but I think we will get to a place where people feel comfortable. If they're comfortable going to a restaurant and being served, they, they will probably warm up to the idea once they start um, kind of doing it, being served in the office as well. Humans are varied and complicated. It is a lot to ask of a building to be intuitive to all of us, but that doesn't stop us from asking anyways. When technology gets complicated and hard to use, people are vocal about it. So in order to be more intuitive, workspaces will need to do their best to learn from us. That means looking at how we actually interact with the space and trying to decipher how we want technology to fit into our lives. It also means finding ways to bring familiarity to an unfamiliar hybrid work world. Whether that means personalizing our spaces, changing the way we conduct our meetings, or finding a time to break bread with each other. Thanks for listening. This series is brought to you by Cohen Resnick, a leading U.S. advisory, assurance, and tax firm with a global perspective and extensive experience in commercial real estate. 
As our post-pandemic world continues to take shape, Cohen Resnick believes that the industry's new normal must be one centered around trust, where investors, tenants, landlords, and communities can trust one another to find common ground while creating value and addressing risk. Visit Cohen Resnick's Resource Center at cohenresnick.com slash building trust for insights and tools to propel your business forward. Again, that's C-O-H-N-R-E-Z-N-I-C-K dot com slash building trust.